You're listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. Fellowship Baptist Church is located in Clark Lake, Michigan. Today's message is part of our Adult Sunday School series. Adult Sunday School is taught by a variety of different men in our church. Now let's prepare our hearts as our Sunday School teacher brings forth God's truths from His Word today. I had um, planned on teaching something different this week, and I, when, I sit down, when I sit down there and listen to other people teach, and they get up here and they're like, the Lord changed the direction at the very last second of what I was going to teach. I always think to myself, man, I hope that doesn't happen to me. <laughs> so I had been st- studying all week on a different topic, and I like to, I like to prepare my, le- my, my lesson every morning throughout the week so I can kind of be meditating on it throughout the week as I'm preparing it. So I've been preparing every morning, and then at the end of Friday morning of my study, I was just like, wow, I, this is definitely not what I'm, the Lord wants me to teach on Sunday. So the Lord made that abundantly clear, and so... I prepared this yesterday, so Friday night after I got home from work, I was just asking the Lord, Lord, what would you have me to teach, because I'm not sure, and then he brought a verse to my mind about the heart, so through that, the rest of this lesson developed, so I trust that this is what the Lord has for us today, I am still planning on teaching what I was preparing this week, just not today, so Mark chapter 3, verse 24, and it says, and if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand, let's pray. Our dearest Heavenly Father, thank you so much, Lord, for the opportunity to come into your house today. And Lord, how we in America still have the freedom to come and worship you freely. We know that many throughout the world do not have that opportunity, Lord. And every, every Sunday they still meet faithfully, but in fear of their lives. And we're thankful, Lord, that we are not there yet in America and that we can still worship you freely. I pray that as we gather here and open up your word that... Lord, this is from you, and I pray that it will come forth out of my mouth as from you, and that you will allow the scripture to speak to our hearts and be used to change us. We just ask this in your holy, precious name. Amen. All right, so the title of my lesson is A Divided Heart. The Bible has a whole lot to say about the heart, as we know. 884 different verses with the word heart in them. We all understand that we all have a heart that is our physical heart, that is the organ that pumps blood through our body, obviously. But in almost every instance, when the Bible is referring to our heart, it is referring to the intangible part about us. That heart that you can't physically see with your eyes and physically touch with your hands. Our heart is the gateway by which things enter into our being and exit our being. It is at the very core of who we are. It is the root from which stems our physical, emotional, intellectual, and moral activities. It is directly connected to all three parts of our makeup, our body, soul, and spirit. Matthew 9, 4 says, And Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Wherefore, think ye evil in your heart? Thinking is something of the mind, but Jesus asked the scribes why they were thinking in their hearts. This shows us that our mind is part of our heart. Acts 11.23, who when he came and had seen the grace of God was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. To purpose means to decide strongly to do something. It is to purpose to do something is we are willing in our will to do something. This shows that our will is also part of our heart. 
John 16, 22, and ye, know theref- and, and ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man taketh from you. When we rejoice, we use our emotions to rejoice, don't we? We use our emotions to rejoice. That shows that our emotions are part of our heart. Hebrews 10, 22, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. As this this verse shows, our conscience is part. Our heart condemn us. Since our conscience is what condemns us, when we're doing wrong, we know that our conscience is also part of our heart. One author put it this way. Our relationship with the Lord is always begun and maintained by the heart. Of course, it is our spirit that is in contact and fellowship with the Lord. But this, this must be initiated and maintained by the heart. For our heart is the gateway of our whole being. We as humans can open and close our heart deciding what we allow to come in and what we do not allow to come in. In other words, our heart becomes the entrance and exit of everything that enters and leaves our being. The distinct difference of the heart as it, as it refers to our being as the entrance and exit door is that we can control what comes into our heart, but we cannot control what comes out. What comes out of our heart is simply a byproduct of what we allow into our heart. Matthew 12, 34, for out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. What is contained in your hearts will come out in the words that you speak. The Bible has a lot to say about our words, the words that we speak. Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. What this verse is really saying is that When we let evil into our hearts, what comes out of our mouth is evil. So if we want evil to come out of our mouth, which none of us, I think, want that, but by letting evil in, evil comes out. By letting righteousness in, righteousness comes out. So, now that we know how deeply the heart is part of every part of us, the body, soul, and spirit, now that we know that, let's look at some other things. Mark 3.24 says, and this was our opening verse, and if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. I want to look at this as it relates to our heart. This verse is so true. Just think about a husband and wife relationship, okay? When there is a division between a husband and a wife, for one reason or another, whatever it is, there's a lot of things in a marriage that can call division, a lot of things. Normally, it's the husband's fault. So, so, so we're told. So there's a, there's a lot of things that cause division in a marriage. So when there's division in a marriage, is it hard for you both to come together and work towards a common goal when you both have division between yourselves? No. That division is like a brick wall 50 stories high and 50 stories wide that is separating the two of you. When there's a brick wall separating the two of you, you're not unified. There's something separating you. 
That makes sense. <laughs> what about the church? It is very difficult for members in the church to work together with the pastor and each other to accomplish the work of the Lord if there is division amongst the members. This is one reason that I'm so thankful that we don't have voting in our church. Okay, because one of the many, one of the many negative things about voting is <clears throat> you can see who's disagreeing with your vote. <laughs> Everybody raise your favor for this you know people are like oh my goodness did you see betty over there she wants clear cups instead of red cups i can't believe it and then you know it's that it really is that silly and then people get in divisions over something that ridiculous and a church will split over it that thing leads to another it's just crazy that's why here we let god make the decisions amen god makes decisions first corinthians 1 says now says now i beseech you therefore brethren by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that ye speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that ye per are perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Why did Paul write this to the Corinthians? Because he understood that a kingdom divided will not stand. It applies to marriage, it applies to the church, it applies to our workplace, it applies to all areas of life. When we talk about Christ being on the throne of our lives, what we are really saying is Christ needs to be on the throne of our what? Of our heart. Christ needs to be on the throne of our heart. We are allowing him to be the king over our body, soul, and spirit. We are surrendering our natural human desire to be in control of our own lives. And that is a strong desire. We all have that strong desire of our flesh to be in control. But by putting God on the throne, we're giving him control. There's no possible way for God to just, there's no possible way for God to share his throne with us, right? God never says, okay, let's make a compromise here. I'll control this part of your life and you can control that part of your life and we'll come together and we'll make things work. Well, no, that's never going to work because we're flawed and sinful and God's perfect and holy. So we can never come together with those two different, with our two different opinions as we look at life and do what His will is for us written in the Bible. That's impossible. God doesn't God doesn't share His throne with us. It's either us or God. Our hearts as humans are often a kingdom divided against itself. We try to control a large part of our lives, and then as a kind gesture, we give God the remaining part. We give God what is left over. If there's one thing that God already has, it's a lot of leftover Christians. Amen. He doesn't need any more. Don't be one of those leftover Christians. Those are in abundant supply. He needs Christians that are fully committed and surrendered to his will. All of this isn't to say that we don't have a desire for God to be on the throne of our lives. This is to say that a desire and a decision, a decision are very different things. A desire to do right is something that we feel that has little merit until it is backed up by good, old-fashioned obedience to God's word. And it's becoming more old-fashioned as the world gets increasingly more wicked, isn't it? Absolutely. I believe this is um, illustrated in each one of our lives as we come to church or we're reading the word of God or we hear a message or whatever, however we hear God's word and it challenges us and we feel 
in our hearts that conviction and we know we need to change and that we feel that passion to do for God what he is, what he is putting on our hearts to do for him. But we're like, okay, yes, I'm going to do this for God. I feel strongly about this. And then we leave or we go on our way and that decision that we made to serve God, even though it was a strong passion that we had, that decision that, um, decision that we made to serve God wasn't a decision based on obedience. It was a decision based on our feelings. Okay? We have to back up our feelings by, by obedience to God's word. Or that fire that the Lord was kindling inside of our hearts and giving us that passion, once that, once that kindling burns out from that fire, the passion's gone. And the obedience is nowhere to be found, and we're right back to where we started. And sometimes we're worse. It is because all this happens because our heart is divided. Turn to Hosea chapter 10. Hosea chapter 10. We're going to be looking at verse 1 and 2. You know, obviously, as we know, throughout Israel's whole history, it was continually falling away from God, coming back to God, falling away from God, coming back to God. And in Hosea, the, the exact same thing is, is happening here. They had fallen away from God. <clears throat> All right, Hosea chapter 10, verse 1. Israel is an empty vine. He bringeth forth fruit unto himself. According to the multitude of his fruit, he hath increased the altars. According to the goodness of his land, they have made goodly images. So in this first verse, um, what Hosea is saying is, Israel, once again, has taken other gods and set them ahead of God and put him first place. So let's look at verse 2. And this is where the title of my message came from. Verse 2. Their heart is what? Divided. Their heart is divided. Now shall they be found faulty. I wonder if the Lord was here today, and he is, right? He is here today. He can see within each one of our hearts right now. Are we found faulty? Is our heart divided? It's hard not to have a divided heart, guys. It is hard not to have a divided heart. We are in this we are in this secular world constantly bombarded by this world to stay solely focused on God is difficult but not impossible. It requires a decision of commitment to him and a constant daily continually throughout the day walk with the Lord. If we only confessed our sins once a day every morning, guess what? We would be, we, our fellowship with God would be broken for 98% of the day because it's not shortly after the time that we leave having our time with the Lord that we sin. We're constantly sinning. That's why it's important to keep a short account with God so we can continue to maintain that fellowship with him. Is our heart divided? Obviously, there's no way to maintain fellowship with God if there's something in your life that he's asking you to give up or give over that you are putting in front of him, but you're not willing to do it. That's you can confess sin all you want, but until you get rid of that thing that the Lord tells you is that you're putting before him, there's no fellowship there. Turn to Psalms 119. We're going to look at a few things that give us insight into a divided heart in Psalms 119.
Psalms 119, <clears throat> verse 2 is going to be the first one that we'll look at. <clears throat> Number one, a spiritually divided heart is not a blessed heart. A spiritually divided heart is not a blessed heart. Psalms 119, verse 2 says, Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and that seek him with the whole heart. If you look up the definition of blessed in 1828 Webster, it says, made happy or prosperous, extolled or pronounced happy. Being blessed does not mean that you're wealthy, successful, powerful, or prominent. Although, all those things can certainly be a blessing. Some of them can be a curse, but some of them can be a blessing. You don't have to be wealthy to be blessed. You don't have to have a position of power to be blessed. You don't have to be successful to be blessed. Being blessed is having true peace and joy over what God has given you and where he has placed you. <clears throat> With that being said, we must ask ourselves this question. Is my life characterized by happiness and peace or worrying, discontentment, and confusion on why God has brought us to the place in our lives that we are at. Are we tossed into the depths of despair through every undesirable circumstance, or have we entrusted our innermost source of happiness to God's word? When we seek God with our whole heart, we are happy and we are blessed. That is true blessing. A divided heart will find it so difficult to be happy since its affections are not set on things above, but they are set on things of this world. They are, they, they are more concerned about this world and the things of this world and what is happening to them than how God has allowed those into, his, into their life for their benefit. Psalms 119.10 A spiritually divided heart is a wandering heart. A spiritually divided heart is a wandering heart. Psalms 119.10. With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wander from thy commandments. God's word is not a list of rules that he keeps boxed over top of us with a heavy hand of dictatorship. No, that's not, that's not what the intention of God's word is. God inspired his word and gave it to us for our benefit. God's word is like a lamp, as we know, unto our feet that clearly outlines the path that God desires for every one of us to travel. It's when we start to rely on our own logic, which we do often, our own logic and reasoning, and try to understand what's happening ourselves, that we start to wander away from God's will. That's why we need to just trust. We can't make sense of a lot of things that happens in this life. We just can't do it. God's ways are so much higher than our ways that if we try to make sense of it, we will do our very best and we will think that we've gotten there. We will put our own reasoning into it. Many times, most of the time, we put the world's reasoning into it to try to make sense of what is happening. And then we say, okay, this is happening and this happened, this is happening. Okay, I understand. This is what I need to do. This is what I, do. This is what I need to do to try to get out of this problem. Instead of just trusting God and saying, Lord, whoa, whoa, what's happening here? What, do you, what, do you, what are you trying to teach me through this? 
When we try to take matters into our own hands and try to figure it out for ourselves, that's when we start to wander away from God. And a lot of times, guys, it's subtly. We don't even know that it's happening. It'll just be a little step at a time. And then pretty soon, we know, pretty soon God will be over here and we'll be way over here after we followed our own path for so long. Obviously, Satan never, Satan never gets us off path all at once. It's always a gradual process. That's how, it's the way his deception works. When we wander away from God, from the truth of God's word, we will either willfully or ignorantly start to choose our own path. Number three, a spiritually divided heart is a covetous heart. Psalms 119.36. Incline mine ear unto thy testimonies. His testimonies are his, is his word. Incline my ear unto thy, unto thy testimonies and not to covetousness. Left to our own devices, we are often bent towards covetousness. It's one of the Ten Commandments, right? We constantly find ourselves in a position of desiring something that someone else has. Covetousness often leads us to acquiring things that God never intended us to have. And not only that, but maybe God did intend you to have that thing that, you're, that, that you desire so strongly, but you try to acquire that thing outside of God's timing. It's the same thing. Whether God was going to give it to you or not, it's, if it's not his timing, you try to pursue that thing outside of God's timing, or he never intended you to have it, and you try to pursue it out of your covetousness. Both things bring the same consequences, okay? They're both outside of God's will equally. Remember the story of Achan? Perfect example of covetousness. He even said, um, I have coveted after these things. Achan goes in, they fight Jericho. God says, do not take any of those cursed things of Jericho. Achan, what does he do? He covets after them. He admitted those words, those were, the, those were the words from his mouth. I coveted, he coveted after them. He took those things, hid him in his tent. What ended up happening is the nation of Israel, the next battle that they fought, they, that they should have, should have easily won without a blink. They lost it. 36 men lost their lives. Punishment number one, 36 men lost their lives because of Achan's sin that never should have lost their lives because the battle should have been a, an, an easy win. 36 men lost their lives. Then after that, Joshua goes before the Lord. He's like, God, what is, what is going on? God shows him. He finds out it's Achan, takes Achan, his whole family, stones them, his whole family, everything that he owns, stones them and burns them. Don't tell me that your sin of covetousness isn't going to affect everyone else around you. It often affects way more. We try to rationalize this thing in our mind, guys, and it often affects so many more people than we think it's going to. And to be covetous is wrong, okay? That's sin. But to act on that covetousness, that's when things really start to get ugly and really start to get nasty, and a lot of people are really affected. So many people, so many innocent people lost their lives because of Achan's sin of covetousness. Number four, a spiritually divided heart is a spiritually malnourished heart. Psalms 119, 103. How sweet are thy words unto my taste, yea, sweeter than honey to my mouth. If God's word is not sweet to you like honey, then you have a spiritually malnourished heart. We see that David, that we know was a man after God's own heart, 
He was so in tune with the Lord that over and over and over again in the Psalms, he said, I love thy commands. I love thy statues. I love thy precepts. Just over and over and over again. I don't know if I can, I, I know that I can't sit here today and then knowing all the commands of scripture and being like, oh, I love all those commands. I love all those commands. Those are so fun to follow. No, it is so difficult. But David, he had such a heart after God that he loved God's commands. And he constantly quoted that back to God, how much he loved his testimonies and his statues. Oh, that that would be our heart's desire. When we get into God's word, we are in tune with, when we get into God's word and are, and are in tune with God's word, he feeds the very depths of our soul and he feeds that hunger that cannot be satisfied any other way but through his word. God's word is an absolute essential part of our spiritual nourishment. For a believer, if we do not, if we are not getting into God's word like we should, and we do not have the desire to get into God's word like we should, it is because we have a spiritually divided heart. Number five, a spiritually divided heart is a fearful heart. Psalms 119, 46 through 47. I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. I will delight myself in the commandments which I have loved. If our Monday through Saturday life does not line up with our Sunday life, we have a spiritually divided heart. It is so, that point says a spiritually divided heart is a fearful heart. Okay, so how many of us are kept from doing God's will when it comes to sharing the Lord with this world outside of church. Just imagine if we could be as bold for Christ outside of church as we are in church, what a difference Jackson would be. What a difference this world would be. But we're not. We come to church, we sit comfortably in our seats, we act all bold for Christ, being like, yeah, I love God, I serve God, so awesome to be a Christian. And then we go outside of this church and we go, we walk around all week like this, and then we come back to church and be like, ah, I love the Lord. That's a spiritually divided heart. There's many opportunities just for share the gospel. We can always be handing out tracts, and guys, I am so at fault for this. I do not share the Lord as m near as much with people as I should. Amen. And I know we all struggle with that. Amen. It's a spiritually divided heart. That's why we do it. There's so many opportunities that God gives us every day to share the gospel. A lot of times it can't be something where we can sit down and, and, and go through the whole gospel plan with somebody. But we can hand out a track. And... We're all in conversations with people all day long. How hard is it for us to just take those conversations that we're already naturally in people with and try to give God glory through them in any way possible, right? You know, no, no matter what happens to you in this, in this life, whether it's good or bad, you can give the glory to God before an unbeliever, can't you? That's, that's so easy. Something bad happens in your life, you're telling an unbeliever about it, and you'd be like, yeah, this happened, but God is in control, and I know that he knows absolutely what's best for my life. So you know what? I'm thankful that he allowed this to happen because he is so much wiser than I. His ways are so much better than my ways. He's in control. He knows best. Give God glory for that. Something good happens in your life. You'd be like, yeah, praise the Lord. He allowed this to happen to me. That's so easy to do. That's, that's definitely easier than witnessing. So let's at least go that far. And 
even farther to open up our mouths and share the gospel, but at least that far to give God glory to the people that we come in contact with about all things. A heart in tune with God will fear him more than man and will be obedient to share the gospel and goodness of God whenever possible. So how do we keep from getting a divided heart? Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it is the issues of life. Number one, how to keep ourselves from getting a divided heart. Guard what you're putting into your heart. Guard what you're putting into your heart. We've all heard the saying, the best offense is a good defense. The way to protect our hearts is not to allow, in the first place, the worldly things to come into our heart. Worldly entertainment, worldly music, worldly philosophy, worldly wisdom. It's all around us. It's piled on top of us every single day. It takes a very vigilant person that is constantly in the word of God to rebuttal the statements of the world and stay in tune with the Lord. We've got to be careful not to let that stuff into our hearts and into our mind. We take these things in with our mind, which is directly connected to our heart, and they are like an infection spreading through our heart, infecting everything in it. We have all heard the saying, you are what you think. And you, th and you think with your mind, don't you? You are what you think, and you think with your mind. We will become the byproduct of what we allow into our hearts, whether it's worldliness or righteousness. That's the beautiful thing about it, guys. You want to let worldliness into your heart? Worldliness is going to come out. Fill your heart with righteousness. What's going to come out? Righteousness is going to come out. It's a decision we have to make. Okay, it's a decision we have to make. We have to say no to the world and the worldly entertainment. And we are addicted to those things. So it is, it is not just as simple as saying, you know what, nah, I don't, think, I don't think I'll do that today. No, it is something we really got to take before the Lord. And we've got to break that addiction to the entertainment and the music that we have. It is killing us. It is absolutely killing us. And it's leaving you as a leftover Christian that God can't use. We will become a byproduct of what we allow into our hearts. Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. I want us to look at the second part of this verse, Proverbs 23, 7. The second part of this verse, that's, that's the part that we often quote. For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. But the second part of this verse says, Eat and drink, saith he to thee, but, but his heart is not with thee. Eat and drink, saith he to thee but his heart is not with thee. If you read this in context, I believe that this represents Satan. Yes, Satan uses other people and other things to get you to eat and drink the things of the world. But, but this verse says his heart is not with thee. And we know that, don't we? Satan never has your best interest in mind. His only goal is to destroy your life as much as he possibly can leaving your heart absolutely as divided as it can possibly be and destroying you as a Christian, completely and utterly distinguishing your effectiveness for the Lord. The key is when we realize that our heart has been divided and that we have partaken of these things of the world, that we repent of them. True repentance, not just as I talked earlier, a 
a passion to change or not just a feeling that we feel like, oh, I feel, I feel bad about this. I need to change. But no, true repentance, a complete 180, a complete turning away from these things, a complete abandonment of them. Number two, make more time for God. Ephesians 5.16 says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. This would include both personal time and ministry for the Lord. We as Americans have busied ourselves to such an extent that we have pushed God right out of our schedules. We know that, but, but still we continue to do it. We know that we've filled our lives with so much stuff that we haven't left enough room for God, but, but yet we haven't changed. We need to make a change in this area. You will do and you will make time for what is important to you, okay? So if you're not making time for God, it's because God's not important to you. You can make as many excuses as you want, and we do, and we will, but they're not going to hold up, okay? When we get to heaven before God someday and we're going through the judgment seat, that's not going to hold up right? It's because we didn't have the passion for God like we should have. That's why we did not make the time for the Lord. We need to unbusy ourselves. We need to clear our schedules for the Lord. And we're running out of time here, so we'll just skip to this last one, which is number four. It says, develop a strong fear of the Lord. Develop a strong fear of the Lord. Psalms 86.11 says, Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. If we knew that all of our secret thoughts, words, and actions would be displayed on, a big, on this screen up here, and we've heard this analogy before, displayed on this screen up here for everyone to see you. What if I could shine a spotlight at every one of you and then boom, right here, it would tell us everything wrong that you did this last week. Oh my goodness. Does that scare you? That scares me. That, if we knew that people, that, that especially people in church, we don't really so much care about what the world thinks because we think that they're worse than we are anyways. So, but, but especially people here in the church, if we knew that all of us were be, would be able to see all the wrong that we did, it would drastically change what we did. It would drastically change the way that we thought, the things that we said, the places that we went, the movies that we watched, the, the, the music that we listened to. This fear of man is the wrong fear to have. Having a healthy... Having a healthy fear of God would be taking the fear of man and applying it to the Lord. If we had as much fear over what God thought as we did over what man thought, it would change every part of our lives. Each of us will give an account of our lives to God, and he is fully aware of everything that we think, desire, which would even include our motives, guys. Everything that we think, desire, speak, and do, the fear of the Lord is a heightened awareness of his presence and ever watchful eye. The fear of the Lord can be defined as a continual awareness that you are in the presence of a holy God that is just and almighty. And every motive, thought, Word and action is open before him and will be judged by him both on this earth and at the judgment seat of Christ. 
We fear him for his judgments towards unrighteousness. We fear him because of his holy superiority over us and the sinful, depraved wretches that we are. If you read about the instances where people came face to face with the glory of God, the Bible tells us how they trembled before the Lord. They trembled. That is the fear that we are to have, realizing that God's presence is all around us. And if we are a believer, his presence is even inside of us. And we should be trembling before him, realizing how sinful and depraved that we actually are. But we're not. That is a healthy fear of the Lord. We fear him as a child fears, disappointing their loving father. I have lots of verses here on fearing the Lord, but we're not, we're not going to have time to go through these. The fear of the Lord is one of the most valuable treasures that we can gain as believers. God's presence is all around us and with inside us. Psalms 114.7 says, Tremble thou earth at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob. Out of everything that I've said today, I believe the greatest thing that we can do to keep from having a divided heart is to get a healthy fear of the Lord. But the truth is, many of us don't have that. When we stand before Christ at the judgment seat, of, at the judgment seat we're going to have a healthy fear of the Lord. It is going to be so, so real at that point. We need to realize that that's not fictional, that is reality, and that is how our day, that is what should, that fear should characterize our life and our relationship between us and the Lord every single day. Let's all purpose in our hearts to be united with our Savior, not divided. Let's pray. You have been listening to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this message was a blessing and encouragement to you. If you would like more messages, visit our website at fbcclarklake.org, where all of our messages can be downloaded for free. Also, you can subscribe to the Fellowship Baptist Church Sermon Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or SoundCloud. All of our messages are available for free. If you want to keep up to date on what's going on at Fellowship, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, where you can see what's happening happening at Fellowship Baptist Church. If you'd like to visit us, Fellowship Baptist Church is located at 3200 Reed Road, Clark Lake, Michigan. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope to see you back here again next time.